It's a great question. So, um, so the exam time, generally for on a child with a spe- on the spectrum, I tell my uh, patients uh, <clears throat> it's going to be an hour to hour and a half the first visit. Depends on the kid um, uh, and what's going on with them, but it's an hour, an hour and a half. And I, I say that because even though the, the entire exam is probably, like, I'm probably not physically in front of them for that long. Um, I'm probably physically in front of them for like 20 minutes maybe. But the entire time from getting into the office and making sure the paperwork's filled out, because they usually fill out some of it and they, I forgot this and this, and then getting them into the back room and then the interns usually do the history, which takes 20 minutes or so. Um, and then we, we, we have a number of different tests. Some of them I do, some of them I have interns do. So I usually say an hour, an hour and a half, uh, just to be on the safe side. Um, because with a child on, like we had a child on the spectrum yesterday, and you know, he was a little more challenging. He didn't understand certain things. He, didn't, he was a little antsy at, at certain things uh, to do. So it definitely takes a little bit uh, of time uh, you know, to work with them. But um, one of the most important things that we talk about with uh, children on the spectrum uh, what we do is, is we work with primitive reflexes and a lot of functional neurology stuff. Their eyes, their primitive reflexes, that kind of stuff. Um, matter of fact, just as an aside, this weekend is my ICPA class online. Um, so if anybody's interested in doing it online, don't want to, and you're, you're taking the, all the modules, uh, it's going to be available for you online this weekend. I will be here live in Atlanta in uh, September. September. Yep, thank you. Uh, September. Um, but uh, before that, if you're interested in just getting it done and you have a free weekend, um, just letting you know. And if you're interested, let me know and I'll send you uh, the link. Just email me. But, uh, but that's the big thing that we, we do with these kids is, and stuff that's usually not seen anywhere else. Um, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I've even had uh, you know, doctors bring their kids, like medical doctors bring their kids into me who are on the spectrum and they're like, I never heard of someone doing primitive reflexes on someone who wasn't the baby. Um, and, and that's because they don't. Um, and th- you know, so that's what really sets us, us apart. So, so it's an hour and a half is usually the total time from start to finish. Um, and then to answer Corey's question at the same time, um, no, I do not adjust on first visit ever, 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 never. Um, uh, because if you, if you do everything that you do that takes an hour and a half, and then you start going to lie down, well, what the hell did you just spend an hour and a half for? Right? If you go to the dentist, and he looks at your teeth, and he takes some x-rays, and he goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and he cleans it, you have a cavity, I'll see you next time. They don't say, all right, so let's lie down, let's get the cavity going. It's like, I'll see you next time, right? It's just the way it is. Um, so uh, uh, not, not that you can't, or it's bad or wrong. Someone wants to just the first visit, it's totally fine. Um, I do not believe that it's good. And here's the number one reason why, because I have found in my practice that adjusting on the first visit creates a really bad patient follow-through. So, and even on an emergency basis, like two weeks ago, I think I told you about this, I had a guy come into my office who was walking like this, very, not, not my kind of patient, but um, he came into me because one of, because his wife was pre- had been pregnant uh, last year, and we did amazing things with her. So <clears throat> she's like, you gotta go see him. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm not really a back pain person, but I can, I can do it. Um, he walked in like, he, he, could, he could hardly sit, he could hardly stand. Um, we adjusted him, just interestingly enough, like I've mentioned to you guys, you're seated with an activator. And after I took the activator off his sacrum, after one adjustment on his sacrum, he said to me, because he, he was sitting on, on the bench, he said, I feel like my shoulders, like a weight is off my shoulders. Just, just from the first adjustment. 
Um, and he came in the next day and he was like 50% better in one adjustment seated with an activator. Anyway, um, but I made him come back again. Like, so in other words, he came into the office, we took the x-rays, we did the whole exam, and I said, leave and come back in a couple hours. Because we're gonna write up a report and then, we're, you're, then you're gonna watch my new patient video and you're gonna sign all the paperwork and then we're gonna adjust you. So, because if, if we just said, okay, we do all this stuff, now lie down, let me adjust you, or however we do it, let me adjust you. Now, everything you just taught them goes out the window. That you wanna get them to leave because they, they leave and they think. They think and they mull over everything that's been said and all the things that have been happened. And now you have a person who comes in and they are open to what you're gonna say and they're open to refer. So that's what I found because I've tested it out in my, in my practice in the beginning. I said just in the first visit and I did not have good compliance and now my compliance is through the roof. So I, I know that that really makes a big difference. Even though it looks like a little thing, it's a, it's a real big little thing. And the other second big thing that I do, and I've told you about this before, is calling people after their first visit. Even if I don't actually physically talk to them and just leave a message, um, uh, it just makes a big impression. Because what doctor calls their patient after their first visit? None, zero. Um, you know, I might get a phone call from a nurse or a receptionist, like you, know, you, you have some kind of procedure done, you might get a, a, a nice phone call uh, from some very nice offices that do that, but rarely, if ever, do you actually have the doctor themselves call. Um, so, um, another question. If there's only a cash payment option and the family is unable to handle the cost, are there other options? Well, so, so I, if you're talking about my office, um, here's what I do. So, um, we, the first person in the office, the fir- I don't care if they're a, a two-day-old infant or a 20-year-old or a 7-year-old, whatever it is, their, their, their cost is this much per month. It's a monthly adjustment fee. And every person we add an amount, you know, like on for every additional person in the family um, so that, that it makes it much more affordable to begin with. But if they're that bad off, if they're that strapped, then what we do is we have a scholarship program. And I do this once a month. I get one once a month for a pregnant mama and once a month for a child on the spectrum. That's the only two cases I'll do this for. Is it pregnant mama or a child on the spectrum? And I only do it twice a month, and, this is, and it doesn't happen very often, so, but it does happen. And that's, I'll say, okay, so instead of paying my normal, my normal first visit fee, you're gonna pay one third of that normal fee for your first visit. And then you're, instead of paying the normal monthly fee, you're gonna pay like one third of that normal monthly fee. But that's just for you, and it's just because you're on scholarship. But they have to prove, they, they have to prove that they have some kind of financial hardship you know, in some way. So they can't just say, well, I just can't afford it. Well, you know, why can't you afford it? You have to prove this to me. Do you, I, well, my husband's out of work and I don't, I'm not working because I just had the baby and this and this and this and this. Okay, that's proof, that's fine. Um, they, I don't think I'm bringing tax returns, but I just want to know, like, I, you know, but some people do. Um, but, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that, that they're okay. And I still have some people say, I can't afford that. And guess what? You can't afford that, then, I'm, you know, I, I'm not bending anymore. I'm willing to give you a scholarship. Like this happened yesterday. A mama called, pregnant mama called, and she said, do you take insurance? I said, no, I don't take insurance. And cause she, she said, do you take peach care or whatever it is? And I said, no, I don't, I don't take whatever insurance it is. Oh, Medicaid. And I said, I don't, I don't take Medicaid. Um, she said, because I'm looking for a pediatric chiropractor that takes Medicaid. I said, good luck with that. Um, uh, I said, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I don't know anybody, any pediatric chiropractor that, that takes Medicaid. Um, 
but make sure that, because she said, because I can't, she said, I can't afford your normal care, because my, my receptionist had talked to her, and said that she, the receptionist gave me the phone number, I called her back. She said, I really want to come to see you, but I can't afford this. And I said, well, I have a scholarship program. Well, I can't afford that either. Well, if you can't afford that, you can't even afford, like, that's, there's nothing I can do, you know. Uh, like, you're going to have to pay something to come to my office. Uh, so I'm willing to do scholarships, but I can't do better than, better than that. Um, so, but that's, that's how we handle it. But that's rare. Most people, if you tell them about a scholarship, they're super happy and excited, you know, to take advantage of that kind of thing. <laughs> do you refer out an x-ray? No, I, I have my own x-ray in my office. Uh, when I was here at Life uh, University, I was, uh, they had an x-ray internship program that I got involved with. So ever since then, I've been very uh, intrigued by x-ray. So I have a digital x-ray system that I use. I like, it's called biokinemetrics. They are phenomenal. Um, their customer service is great. Their prices are really good. And the, the system itself is amazing. Like we had this, this one guy come in a couple months ago who was 300 and something pounds. And in the past, when I used to x-ray them with my regular you know, non-digital x-ray, I probably have to re-x-ray him several times to get it right. This thing has an automatic correction thing on it. So you press the button, it'll give you a film, and then it'll correct with the right, you know, like put the right image, it'll take away all the extra stuff so that you got, I got a perfect image every single time. I'm like, this is so cool. So, um, so I really like this, uh, this thing. So I don't refer out for x-ray, unless it's a baby or a child that I don't know what's going on with. So I will not x-ray little kids, uh, non-walking children. I will not x-ray any non-walking children. I will not x-ray any kid who's got some very serious congenital issues because I want, I'd rather have CHOA, you know, Children's Hospital Atlanta or some other, you know, wherever you end up, CHOP, Children's Hospital Philadelphia, or ever, you know, some local children's hospital do that and get a report that shows this spine is perfect uh, so I know what we're doing, rather than me taking an x-ray and saying, you know, I am not an expert at reading a two-week-old baby's, you know, x-rays who has all these congenital anomalies and this and that. I, that's just not my thing. Um, we've had a, a child come in recently who um, has several different chromosomal abnormalities, a couple of different deletion kind of syndrome things. And I was like, before I touch your kid, I got to get him x-rayed. And she said, you can't just x-ray right here? I'm like, no, because the, the kid's, first, he is not standing. He's a five-year-old kid who isn't standing. I said, so what are we going to do? We're gonna, you're going to prop him up and hold him? Right against this thing, that's not going to work. And I've had people say about their babies, "Can you X-ray this baby?" Oh, it's a standing. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna, I don't have Velcro to put the baby up like, like it's just not going to work. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, so no, I, we, I, in, in, but those are rare cases, right? Um, I, I saw. I, I'm usually X-raying adults. I, I X-ray maybe 30% of adults. Um, uh, well, but I. I but for children, I don't x-ray a lot of children unless they have some real significant issue. And then they have to be a kid that, like a kid with scoliosis who can take directions, you know, a kid with a trauma who can take directions. Um, if they can't take directions or whatever, then I'd rather refer them out. Good question. Any other questions? Got time for one more. One more question. Care plans. <clears throat> okay, good, Bailey. Thank you. Um, so, uh, care plans. Um, I believe that it is very important for uh, if if you're going to be whether you're insurance, you're taking insurance or not, you should develop a care plan. Um, if you do a per visit fee thing, you're really going to create a problem because they're just going to come until the money 
isn't there and then they stop coming or they'll come until they you know, feel better and then they stop. But if you make a care plan and you make a long-term care plan, like my care plans, the, small, the shortest term care plan I have is four months. That's the shortest term and that's probably an adult who's relatively healthy. Um, most of my kids on the spectrum, it is six months to a year care plan. Um, and uh, the care plan is based upon the severity of the situation. Um, that gentleman I just told you about who had horrible back pain, he's coming three times a week. Um, a kid on the spectrum, most of them are so busy with ABA therapy and all that kind of stuff, I'm usually seeing them twice a week for three to six months based on you know, what's going on with them, how, where they are at on the spectrum. And um, we, we usually, what, what I recommend for everybody is that if you are going to do cash plans, um, uh, you're gonna, you're, even if you're not taking any insurance whatsoever, you need to differentiate why you're taking a cash plan at your prices versus the prices of everybody else in the area, um, who would be insurance prices, because most people take insurance. So you need to, to, uh, to establish yourself with a company like Preferred Chiropractic Doctor or PCD, or um, um, Chiro Health USA, or one of those kind of things. You need to have your patients join those plans. Because you have to show, God forbid you ever be audited, and this is especially if you have an insurance practice. If you have an insurance practice, and, and you, have, but you have some people on cash, you better do a PCD or a Chiro Health USA, because if you don't do one or the other of, of these you know, things, then you can get audited, and the insurance company can say, okay, so you're, the people that are in Cigna are paying $60 per visit. The people here are paying $40 a visit. Why? You're like, uh, uh, because that's the cash plan. Well, that's not a reason. But if you say, because they're in this plan, they're in the PCD, a preferred chiropractic doctor plan, or they're in the Chiro Health USA plan, then they're like, okay, that's fine. They just want to see what, how come you, you, this fee is not the same as this fee. So if you take any insurance whatsoever, so we still do PI cases, so we have to do this. If you take any insurance whatsoever, you always have to have delineation. Why do you charge pers an insurance person this person, this amount, and this uh, other people this amount? And it's because these people are in this plan and these people are in that plan. And then say, oh, okay, that's cool. But if you don't have that backup, then, then Cigna's gonna say to you, well, then we want everybody to get charge $40 instead of $60, and so you're gonna be paying back for the next three, for the last three years of billing, you'll be paying back $20 per person per visit. And so I've, I've seen people get slammed with $150,000, $200,000, dollars bills paying, paying back to Cigna or not getting money. So Cigna said, you can just keep on billing me, but you ain't gonna get no money for three years um, or however long it's gonna take for that um, because, because of that kind of thing. So don't play that game. Do not play that game. Um, and, and honestly, you know, I mean, anybody can do whatever you want, but insurance is such a bloody headache, um, especially Medicare. Um, uh, you know, I would just, if, if you don't have to take insurance, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I would, it, it's, it's a lot cleaner, a lot less reports. When I used to take insurance, because I, I stopped taking insurance in 2016, uh, I used to spend weekends, nights, you know, lunch times writing reports, writing reports, writing reports, phone calls, um, paying an extra staff person to do all this stuff, and now I don't do that anymore. And it's really very freeing, very, very freeing. So I, I kind of, if you can do that, I highly recommend it. Well, <clears throat> uh, next week, your, your final exam, I believe, is it two? Is that right, two o'clock? Two, 3.30? It's next Tuesday sometime. I don't know. Next Tuesday, I think it's two o'clock. I give you, I think, 26 hours to take the exam. Um, uh, there's no proctorio, so don't worry about having someone look at you. Uh, or some machine watch you. Um, so I'm not doing proctorio. 
Um, if you haven't signed up for, for the advanced pediatric diagnosis class um, or the pediatric health challenges class, that's next quarter. Uh, also, uh, from is the, we, we alternate next quarter's advanced pe it's pediatric health challenges. That's um, where we don't, uh, we have sort of a more of a discussion kind of class versus a PowerPoint based kind of class. So I really like uh, that class. It's a, it's a lot of fun at the end. We have a debate, uh, go face to face with each other. Uh, it's, really, it's really a lot of great conversational sort of stuff. And um, that's from Thursdays from 9 to 11. Uh, so we do that in summer and winter. And fall and spring is when I do advanced pediatric diagnosis, which we're just finishing up now. Um, like I said, I have an ISPA this weekend, and then I'll be live here in Atlanta uh, in September sometime or another. Um, if you want information about either one of those, either live or the virtual one, let me know. And otherwise, thank you so much. Have a great break. God bless all you guys. If I could ever help you in any way, please let me know. And um, I'll see you guys either ICPA or next quarter. Thank you. Oh, really? Because okay. it conflicts with an advanced clet, too. Yeah, yeah, and then you're leaving in the fall, so. I know. All right, now, are you doing a two-quarter peak in Connecticut? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're doing a double peak. Do double. Okay, cool. So you're graduating in December? Good for you. Oh, my God. Thank you. I can't wait to have you as a colleague out there. Oh. You're going to be the best. Thank you. I'm going to see you speaking, too. Did you know that? Yeah? You no. think so? Oh, that's no doubt. You're awesome. No Thank doubt. you. I appreciate that. Someday. I'll be sitting in the audience and you'll be right here. <laughs> I don't think for the school, but maybe. No, maybe not for the school, but I mean, you know, from seminar. Right? Yeah. yeah. That would be I see amazing. Um, my fiance got yeah. hit by a tick two weeks ago. Shoot. So, long story short, he thought it was no big deal. I made it a big deal. Because <laughs> he's like, it's fine. I got it off. Me. I'm like, no. Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, this whole thing and sure enough, that's where the bite was. Wow. I bring him to the urgent care the next morning. The doctor said he was fine. That's normal. I was like, he comes into the car. Bye. Thank you. I go, did you get the antibiotic? He goes, no. He said it was fine. It was normal. See, I told you, everything is fine. I was like, Joe, what? No. So I call my friend who's a PA. Can you prescribe him this antibiotic? She was having trouble, like, she left a message from Walgreens, whatever. Then he starts complaining about an inguinal hernia. I'm getting, I don't know, I think I have a hernia. He does construction, so I was like, okay, you mm. may have one. And so he goes back to the urgent care. I said, while you're there, bring up the tick bite again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out it's a swollen lymph node from this tick bite. So now they gave him an antibiotic. I'm fuming because I couldn't get him into his primary care until next week. So, how long was the tick on him? Do you he know? Doesn't, I don't know. He, he, know. he went golfing. It was like a Tuesday, and then he told me on Thursday. So, like, I don't know okay. how long it was there. He's like, I don't know. It was here. No, it was in New Jersey. Oh boy. Which is even worse. He's over here, like, trusting my intelligence. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, it's fine. I 
been bit by ticks before because he used to be like a boy scout and right, camping right, right. all the time. And I'm like, no, Joe, like this is not, this is no joke. So now when he goes to his primary care, he needs to get a test, right? And if he get, if I, if he comes back positive, I'm, I'm suing the doctor. Well, understand. Not me, but Joe. Oh, I understand. I am. Understand <laughs> that uh, the Western blot and some of the other tests that they do uh, may not come back positive until after one month after the tick was removed. Because if you look at the uh, trajectory of, um, of the, the, the way that the tick like, kind of works, the, the enzymes and the proteins don't spike until after a month. So they're underneath the radar. Mm-hmm. So like if he goes, let's say, next week and it's only been three weeks, it may not show up. So he may need to be retested mm. um, okay. in a month or two because it's just, it, you just won't even see it. it. It'll just fall under the radar. Yeah. Um, so um, if you email me, I have a patient who found uh, she is a, uh, some kind of healthcare provider. I can't remember what she does, like massage therapist or something. <clears throat> who found a home like tick test, home Lyme disease test. Mm. Um, so if you email me, I will send okay. that to you. Cool. Uh, so that it, in case it doesn't come out, uh, yeah. you're positive. Even Is it as sensitive as the Western blot? It's not as sensitive, but it picks up stuff. But once again, a lot of people, if you do the Western blot now and it doesn't come out, it's hard to get it redone unless you have a doctor who really knows what the hell they're doing. And most doctors have no clue at Lyme. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's scary. (laughs) Did you have a Do you have a picture? Do you have a picture of it? Let me show you. Because that's that's. It wasn't a bullseye, but it was a red rash. 